look in the situation report for Wednesday, March 8th. This is Lieutenant Colonel Murray. The craziness continues. The pace of the news continues. The speed at which the news comes out continues. But there are two things that people should be paying attention to right now. One of which is the Russians took Bakhmut, which if you if you haven't been following the Russians, the, uh, the Ukrainian situation, Bakhmut is essentially... There's no strategic value there, but the the Ukrainians put a lot of forces in there to try and hold the place. And if you look at the aerial footage, and Teleslav Z is is posted, he's posted a bunch of different footage from Bakhmut, and you you can just tell by the 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 level of destruction they basically leveled that city with artillery, which. If you think about it from the Russian perspective is a good thing because they're creating a buffer zone around all the ethnic Russian states that are um, provinces that they've cleared and they are, they're working aggressively to not just destroy all these towns, but they're working aggressively to create a buffer zone. So it's no man's land. And what there's, what, you know, they've shown a lot of in the last couple of weeks is a lot of drone footage of drones taken out American equipment like MRAPs. If you don't know what an MRAP is, uh, an MRAP is a it's a it's a mine resistant armored personnel carrier, and we they they were a byproduct of Iraq. So when we first went into the Iraq War, we had up armored Humvees and we had armored Humvees, and the enemy figured out with a flat bottom vehicle, it's very easy to blow up Humvees. So we dealt with roadside bombs as a standoff weapon for you know 15 years until we got that under control and used a variety of countermeasures. The MRAP was one of those countermeasures that had a V-shaped hole set up for, for um, landmines. And it's very effective against landmines. Doesn't do so well against our against tanks and artillery. And there's there's they're showing you know, lots of videos now and lots of um, pictures of destroyed MRAPs and destroyed U.S. artillery. And part of it is the suicide drones. The suicide drones have really taken a, uh, they've taken a big toll on equipment across the region and they've changed the landscape of the war. And the interesting side of that conversation is the fact that up until this war, drones were used primarily for reconnaissance and long-range reconnaissance of that. We've used Predator drones since 2002, 2001. And ever since then, we've primarily used them as hunter-killers for specific targets with Hellfire missiles. The Russians have used, and the Ukrainians both, have used drones to various degrees of effect with all kinds of ordnance, hand grenades, mortar rounds, you name it. They've, they've carried just about everything. And they've, they've also created, Iran's created these suicide drones, which as far as I can tell, there's no countermeasure for them because they're essentially C4 platforms. So you can't, you can't detect them with normal radar and they're too small for normal radar cross sections. You might be able to see a glimpse of them, but, if they're made out of composite materials, you'll never see it on radar, right? Because radar is looking for metal and it's, it's bouncing off just like sonar, right? It bounces a signal off of 
metal that sends a return tells you what it is. Well, it tells you that there's an object there. And then through various different identity um, algorithms, you can figure out what it is. We've gotten very sophisticated with radar. But again, composite materials don't show up in radar because they don't give, they absorb a lot of the radar um, energy. So you don't get a, you don't get a positive return, which was the whole point of stealth. The whole point of the F-111 or the F-117, sorry. The 117 was designed to deflect radar. Then the B-2 came around and the F-22 and those absorbed the radar energy. So you can start to see when you start looking at this, that drones are going to be, well, number one, drones are here to stay. And number two, drones have changed the landscape of the fight. And it's a fight that when you think about it, it's it's really ingenious because they've they've basically taken the ability to not only um they've taken the ability to use drones in a in a tactical environment and a strategic environment, but they've used drones now to various effects against our um not just soft targets like soldiers, but hard targets like tanks, artillery pieces, MLRS. And, if, you know, a $5,000 drone can take out a $5 million piece of equipment. You can see how it becomes very expensive very quickly. And it's equipment that we can't possibly replace or replenish. And that is the, that is the, uh, the interesting side of the, the story, right? Because we are not prepared. And look at, and this is why I'm bringing this up. I'm bringing this up because that we spent an inordinate amount of time, soldiers, money, et cetera, to counter the IED and vehicle IED threat in both Afghanistan and in Iraq. And the enemy used it as a standoff weapon for years and was highly effective in the first stages of the war, moderately effective in the next five years of the war, and limited effect in the last years of war because of all the countermeasures we put in place. But if you look at the evolution of the vehicles that went into Iraq from, from the first invasion in 2003 until we pulled out, you will see an evolution of equipment. And it's an evolution of equipment that cost us millions and millions of dollars. We're talking about the same kind of evolution now, but only to counter the drone threat. And you know, I was having this conversation the other day with uh, Seth Keschel, and it's interesting, his perspective, because he's an MI guy, right? And his his viewpoint of the world is based on enemy doctrine, enemy order of battle, et cetera, right? And we're both scratching our head on where this is going to go. And he asked me, what do you think is going to happen in, in Ukraine? And I said, within the next few months, probably sooner, they're going to basically run the Ukrainians out of artillery, missiles, and they're only going to have small arms and maybe some mortars left. But for the most part, they're going to run them out of artillery shells. And the Soviets or the, the Soviets, I keep saying the Soviet Union, tells you how old I am. The Russians will keep using artillery because they can, they can produce it at nausea. And they can also... They can outproduce us on any given day because they have from ground to production. So they can produce all their artillery shells right there and roll them right to the front before we can even get one batch done here. In fact, we're talking to 
South Korea about making RD rounds for us because we can't produce them here. And when you look at all of those um, different aspects of it, you could start to see how you can make the assumption that they're going to run out of artillery. Why, why it's important is if you don't have anything to pin the enemy down, because artillery is really good, really good at pinning down our, um, the enemy. If you don't, if you can't pin them down, then it's just a land grab. And the question is how far is Putin going to go? And I think it's a race against time. I think they there's reserves that are getting ready to be deployed to the, the region um, from NATO countries that are learning on NATO equipment and the Russians know they have to beat that beat that tide and get into a, into a position where they can repel any counterattack. And they've done a pretty good job in parts of the country, but they've been doing it through drones. They've been going after logistics. And if you look at any of the videos of Ukrainian soldiers moving around, they're not move, they're moving in squad size elements. They're not moving in battalion size elements. They're moving in squads. They're moving in in you know private vehicles. They're not moving in military vehicles. All that's for a reason. And the reason is they can't move anything in with a military, you know, any kind of military vehicle. Otherwise, there's a drone or a bomb on their head or artillery. And that's a big deal when you're trying to move forces around a theater. It's a big, it's a very big deal. The Ukrainians haven't been able to move anybody or anything for months. And the the every time they move anything in a formation, bombs on it. We don't we don't hear about that in our news media. But it, it does affect the, the battlefield and it affects the battlefield. You're talking about a thousand mile front, it's a thousand miles from from the north tip to the southern tip. There's a thousand miles in that country. It's a huge landmass and it's rolling hills. And the other thing is the winters and summers and the springs are so harsh there that you ha- you almost have to move everything by rail. Look at just watch some of the videos of the mud, right? One of the things the Germans encountered in in Operation Barbarossa was when the, the the fall and winter rain showed up, it stopped their movement almost entirely. They were making, you know, vast strides across the summer, across Russia, and they almost made it to Moscow. The problem was when they hit the Russian winter, they were completely unprepared for the Russian winter. And Russian winters are extremely harsh. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I talk about why the Russians are such a hardy people, because they live in such a harsh environment. And, you know, you want to talk about a culture that embraces the suck? Look at look at anybody in Eastern Bloc countries. Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia. You look at Belarus, Georgia, even, even down to the stands. They all live in harsh environments. It's not a... It's not a hospitable hospitable areas in the wintertime, especially around Moscow and around Ukraine, right? It's it's bitter winters. It's it's something that you have to experience in order to talk about it. And it's it's literally one of those things that most people don't even they don't have any context into why it's why that's such a harsh place to live in. But it is. And that affects the way the prosecution of the war goes on. It also affects the way that you defend. It affects the way that you you do air support. In fact, if you go back to look at casualty rates in World War II, you will see that there's a spike through the winter months of both pilots, tank crews, et cetera, because it's so it's such a harsh environment. They the Russians lost as many pilots to weather and to mouth, you know, to to equipment failures than they did to the Germans. 
because it's such a harsh environment. And we're getting to the tail end of winter now, getting into spring. So let's just say, for, for devil's advocate's sake, that NATO's going to do an offensive in the spring. It's going to change the landscape of the war. But more importantly, you got a very finite amount of time before we're back in winter. And that, trust me when I say this, you burn up time quickly when you're in the field and you're moving. You burn up time very, very quickly. Time goes by very, very quick, especially when you're decisively engaged. And that's a piece that, you know, NATO can't afford. We've always, we've, we've always, and we still depend on the element of speed and sophisticated weapons in order to overwhelm our adversaries. That hasn't, that doctrine hasn't changed, no matter how you cut it. Everybody in DOD was brought up in that, in that culture. And our use of special operations forces is always, it has been since the 60s, to go in and train insurgencies and to do limited operations against very specific targets. You're not going to put them in a landmass that size and see effect in a very, very wide um, area. You're going to have to be very focused on where you are and where you're using those forces because you don't have a lot of them. And more importantly, those supply lines are incredibly long. If they're long for the Russians, it means they're long for us too. Add 5,000 miles to get to Europe, and you can you have a recipe for a very, very um, dangerous situation for U.S. troops on the ground. The reason why I'm giving this airtime, especially right now, is twofold. Number one, the last four days have been consumed with the drop of all of the January 6th information that Tucker Carlson and Fox News have been dropping on a regular basis. And, and I would caution everybody to not get your hopes up or get too involved in it for two reasons. The first one is nothing's going to come out of it. They're not going to roll anybody up. They, the, we know the FBI was involved in January 6th. We know that Ray Epps was an FBI asset. We know the FBI had, had assets on the ground in the form of agents and provocateurs that were coordinating to not only break and destroy property, but they were moving people in. The videos have only shown that this was a coordinated effort from the inside. Everybody knew that. Well, everybody in the truth movement has known that. The rest of the world hasn't. But again, why did, why did McCarthy only give the tapes to Fox News? Why didn't he give the tapes to Steve Bannon, to Fox News, and to other alternative media sources. I mean, he could have given it to Alex Jones, for Christ's sake. But he didn't give it to him. He gave it to Fox News. I don't trust Murdoch. I don't trust anybody at Fox News because Paul Ryan sits on the board, and Paul Ryan is a traitor. So I don't trust anything that Fox News says. And more importantly, why now? I can tell you why. It's to distract away from, number one, the the continued, ongoing, sustained, unexplained deaths from the vaccines. Number two, the economic issues that are slowly bubbling to the surface and the slow yet steady burn of the price of not only um, goods and services in the country rising rapidly, but the price of food, as well as the shit show that is Ukraine. And, and I've been saying for a long time that Ukraine's weeks away from from being completely crushed. 
one of the things that I was missing that I was educated on is the fact that the Russians are not moving forward because they're using their artillery and their standoff weapons to destroy not only the towns, but to basically just attrit and and suck the Ukrainians dry of forces and, and ammunition, which when you think about it is a pretty good, that's a really good um, use and economy of force. They haven't, and the reason why this is important is because when you go to war, we used to operate under total war, not this limited war and, and this other nonsense that we prescribed to in the Gulf War. We, When we would go to war, it would be total war. We would take away and destroy the enemy's ability to fight. That's what we did in Japan. That's what we did in Germany. And that's that's what we should have done to the, the former Soviet Union. We should have taken away their ability to fight, but we didn't do that. And so we've been in these limited wars ever since. And the Russians are, right now, they're fighting a limited war. They're not fighting total war. Total war means they they roll over that country, they destroy everything. And I mean everything, infrastructure, everything, and take away the Ukrainians' ability to wage war completely. They haven't done that so far. They've been playing this, this waiting game and this attrition warfare, which is, is interesting because it's not Russian doctrine. And... I assume they were going to use Russian doctrine at some point, but they have played this patience game. And maybe part of it is that they're they're trying to collapse the Ukrainian government just through this sheer, you know, sheer force of will versus an overwhelming onslaught. And either way, the the casualty rates on the Ukrainian side, now the Russian side there's numbers that wildly fluctuate between 150,000 and 10,000. Who knows? I do. Nobody really knows what the true numbers are yet. Probably 10 years from now, we will. But right now, we, we don't know what those numbers are. And the other, the other side of the fence is all these disclosures that are going on around the COVID stuff related to Fauci, they're trying to steer the narrative to China was the one that developed this. This thing was developed at Fort Detrick. It was shipped over via Harvard professor. That Harvard professor was arrested by the FBI. The virus was taken to Wuhan and it was, it was refined and it was enhanced there. Now, whether there's Chinese involvement or not, doesn't matter. The point is it originated here. And then when you start to look at the labs that are in Ukraine, which is another thing that they're trying to not only obfuscate, but they're trying to distract you away from, those labs, that information is going to come out in total. And when it does, this is the disclosures I've been talking about. There's going to be a bunch of disclosures. We're already starting to see some of them. But the ones that I'm waiting for is the human experimentation as well as all of the gene therapy that they've been doing. And then there's this conversation that just bubbled to the surface in the telegraph about um, identity chips being put into the vaccines. If that's true, that's going to, and once it's confirmed and it's true, et cetera, et cetera, then you're going to see people lose their, lose their shit. But at the same time, all that's going on. There's this distraction down in Arizona, which the, the Senate and the House would like desperately to put behind him. And that's the Thaler accusations about 
uh, money laundering through real estate down here. Now, Beans went through all 93 pages of Thaler's um, court case in 2021 and basically said it's it's an election fraud. It, it has nothing to do with money laundering. It just talks about the, the whole case was about election fraud. But she debunked a lot of the claims right there in the um, in the court documents. And again, anytime you do disclosure, you got to have all the goods when you do the disclosure. They're still talking about well, they're going to drop these documents. They're going to drop specific proof. You don't drop you don't drop a tactical nuclear weapon on yourself because the fallout gets to you, and the press only needs 001 percent in order to go after the narrative and debunk it for all those people that are still watching the mainstream. And if you've listened to me, you've heard me say several times that this this narrative is being debunked slowly but surely. Look at the January 6th stuff. There's people that watch the video on Fox News that watch MSNBC and CNN on a regular basis, and they don't believe what they're seeing. This is actual footage from the Capitol. That's what we're dealing with. And more importantly, who's going to go after the FBI? Do you hear anybody? And this is the litany test. This is the so what test. McCarthy drops the tapes. Fox publishes the tapes. Do you hear anybody in D.C. talking about releasing January 6th prisoners? No. In fact, what you heard was McCarthy, before he dropped the tapes, doubled down that the Capitol Police did their job. That should tell you everything you need to know about the situation. It's all drama. It's all distraction. It's all noise. The stuff that's that's most important right now, and I mean this sincerely, you don't you don't need to worry about what's going on on the ground or how it's going to develop in in Ukraine. It's happening. And the way I see it playing out is there's going to be this slow burn of attrition warfare and then there's going to be a massive land grab and the the question is where are the Russians going to stop. Or they're going to grind the the Ukrainian army into dust and then they're going to start bombing Kiev. It can go either way. But they haven't used Russian doctrine which is the part that's that's got everybody scratching their heads. While that's going on, if we decide to go head-to-head with the Russians, which, by the way, has never been our doctrine since the Cold War started, our doctrine was never to go head-to-head with the Russians. Never. If we're dumb enough to do that, there is nothing you can possibly do to prepare you if it goes nuclear. So just live your life. But you should be prepared for disruptive operations that take place here by special forces from Iran, from China, and from Russia and other um, Eastern Bloc countries. Assume they are moving special forces into our country to do disruptive operations. That's what I would do. And more importantly, we've been moving military-age males across the border for two years. There's something like three or four million of them over here now. Assume some of those are terrorist cells as well. There's a, the, the situation is ripe for chaos here in the country. And let's, let's talk about invasion for a second so everybody can get the memo on this. I've been hit in the last couple of days with, we just need to, number one, we just need to go start kicking doors and shooting people. Okay, first of all, who are you going to shoot? Second of all, how do you know they're the enemy? And third and most importantly, Once that starts, where does it stop? 
you have to have clear lines of battle and you have to have clear rules of engagement. The reason why we talk about ROE is for the very simple fact that you know who the fuck the enemy is and you know who the fuck you're shooting. And I get everybody's frustrated. I get it. It's part of the situation. But the, the game plan here is not to invade the U.S. It's to erode the U.S. morale to you know and will to fight so that the states break up into pieces. We become 50 independent states instead of a unified constitutional republic. Why that's important is that 50 unified states are more powerful than 50 independent states. And 50 independent states, given the fact that you have Washington, Oregon, California, that are coastal states, and then you have Georgia, North Carolina, and everything from New York all the way up to Maine is liberal, takes away ports of call except for Texas. But you put some provocateurs in Texas, and guess what? You've disrupted the ability for any of those 50 independent states to fight back and keep them, you keep them in chaos while you're doing things across the, across the pond to consolidate power, which is exactly what the Chinese will do. Don't Make no mistakes. The people behind all of this color revolution, the people behind all of the Ukrainian um, conflict, the people behind the limited disclosures around the labs, the people behind every bit of the controversy and the cultural wars and the buckets being divided in this country is the fucking Chinese. It's not our own government. It's actors that have been compromised by the Chinese in our government that are doing these things to not only deconstruct the United States, but to deconstruct the constitution. That's the game plan. The game plan is not to invade us. It's not to own us. It is very simply to disrupt and and break apart the union. That's the point. If they break up the republic, they have way more flexibility and way more control to do not only regional warfare in their own region, but they can do all kinds of disruptive operations because they control the resources around the rest of the planet. It's an asymmetric war. This is not a symmetric war. It's asymmetric, and it's most of it's being played through information. But that's what we call intelligence preparation of the battlefield, right, IPB. We prepare the battlefield with information sources to give us a clear picture of the enemy's order of battle. The Chinese have done that flawlessly. Now the execution phase is where they usually trip up and fall on their face, and we'll see how that goes because we're rapidly approaching the culmination point where the actual action phase of the plan takes place. What that looks like, it's anybody's guess. But I, I would venture a guess that some of these some of these train derailments, not all of them, some of these train derailments are being done specifically as sabotage to sabotage the rail system and the logistical network and moving goods and services from state to state. That is by design, and that is literally exactly what we did to the Germans and the Japanese during World War II. We've done it to the Iraqis. We've done it to the Vietnamese. You name it. That's exactly what that's all about. That's preparation of the battlefield to set conditions for other operations and follow-on operations. That's what that game is. Now, 
if you if you want to worry about something, worry about how you integrate into your local community. And there's been there was a conversation in in the uh, Telegram chat this morning. I, I very rarely am in Telegram chat, but one of my admins went after somebody for posting something that was essentially we need to save ourselves. Let's get on with already. Well, that's great, right? But you have to. There's there's things you have to do in the in the local area before any of that can take place. It, it, you have to have you have to have your own house in order in order to defend your family, your friends, and your way of life. It starts in the local community. That's why I keep talking about this shit. When everything else blows up, the, the only thing you're going to have left is your community. And you, you need to know who belongs there and who doesn't belong there. You need to know and make human connections to figure out who knows how to do stuff. Who knows how to... Who you know? Are there doctors, nurses? Are there are there auto mechanics? Are there diesel mechanics? Are there are there farmers? You need to know who who is in your neighborhood. If you don't know that, then you're you know you're late to the game. And at the same time, you're late to the whole prepping thing, right? And this isn't really a this isn't about prepping anyway. This is about being prepared for contingencies and having a network of people around you that you can depend on when the chips are down. Because I'm assuming that the worst is going to happen. Whether it does or doesn't isn't the point. The point is that you're assuming for the worst to happen and you're setting conditions so when that does happen, you have a network of people around you that can help you get through it. And at the same time, you're self-organizing within your community to start going after some of these political causes, the school districts, et cetera. That's the point of the exercise. Kicking doors, shooting people, all that shit's going to come, and you'll know when that's supposed to happen because they'll be shooting at you. Or worse, you'll have a convoy armor vehicle showing up in your neighborhood to go after somebody's house, either the IRS or the FBI or DHS going after somebody. And trust me, when that happens, you're going to you're going to have to be you're not even going to shake a stick and you're going to have 50 people, 50 armed people around you. Cuz that's only going to happen once or twice and word's going to get out and then you're going to see entire communities go after these people as soon as they show up. The days of fear are over. The days of people capitulating to this government are over. The days of resistance are upon us. And this whole point of the sphere of influence of line of sight is about resistance. It's not about hunkering down and being comfortable while the world turns to shit. That's not the point of this. The point is you're building a network of people that can grow food, they can find water, they can source spare parts, they have, they can share ammo and they can share resources to defend their families and their neighborhoods. That's the point. The whole idea of going after a tyrannical government, you're not going to have to do that. Because they've shipped all of our warfighting capability to Poland. And there's not enough of them to hold the entire country. Even if they bring in foreign forces, there's not enough of them. And they can't reproduce the equipment they're losing right now fast enough to be able to handle 150 million pissed off Americans. The whole fear game, they've played this fear game since, since the War of the Worlds. When Orson G. Wells released War of the Worlds, every intelligence agency on the planet went, holy shit. That is the best way to control the entire population because 
literally, when that thing broadcast, I think it was in 32 when it broadcast, it literally scared the shit out of the whole country. People thought it was real. They were losing their minds. And every intelligence agency on the planet looked at that and went, that's how we control the population. We keep them in fear. Look at what the news puts in front of you every single day. Fear, fear, fear. What do you think Alex Jones and Mike Adams and, and Stu Peters do every day? Fear, 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 buy my shit. Fear, 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 buy my shit. It's the same, exact same recipe every single day. And if you watch Mike Adams long enough, you're going to see that every fucking interview the guy does is an infomercial to somebody who he, he's affiliated with where he gets kickback, kickbacks from him or advertising dollars. Like he did this whole show on an entire show on satellite communications and bivy sticks, right? I already had a bivy stick and I already have my issues with bivy sticks, but he did a whole show with these guys from the satellite store. And the whole thing was to do was to totally promote buying the bivy sticks through the satellite store and satellite phones. That was the whole point of the exercise. It didn't have anything to do with the real world, real and present danger. It was literally him doing a fear infomercial to get people to buy their shit. That's what I have a real fucking problem with. Because the, this, I'm not doing this. I'm not promoting anything. The only thing that I'm going to do, and I've said this all along, the only thing I'm going to do is I may mon I've monetized the Rumble channel so that I can get sponsors to pay for it. Because it's, you know, it's expensive, everyone. It adds up just like all the other equipment that you need in order to, to record this and get people on, et cetera, et cetera. The point, of, the point is, is that it's not, I'm not monetizing this so I can make money off this. My whole team is dedicated to doing this. We do this for free so we can get people to wake the fuck up. I'm not doing this to promote myself. In fact, anybody that knows me will tell you I fucking hate the spotlight. I don't like being in the public space. This is not a place I've ever wanted to be. I'm not a politician. I don't have any time for politicians. Go ask them in Arizona. They'll tell you that. I have zero time for politicians. I'm respectful of the politicians that I think are doing, trying to do good work, but I'm very disrespectful of politicians that don't. Ben Thomas, one of them. Kelly Townsend's another. Ugenta Rita. Karen Fan. Every single one of them have compromised their oaths. And the point is, this is not something that I do. Will This is something I'm doing willingly because it's a necessary evil right now to get people ready for what's coming. And I don't like what I'm seeing, which is exactly why I've been telling my kid for the last six months, get the fuck out of Europe. I don't like what I'm seeing right now. And my kids will tell you that, you know, protection of my family, defending my family is number one in my book. My family comes first in everything. And if you think that, you know, people on my team are actually working aggressively to line their own pockets, it's the furthest thing from the truth. Absolutely the furthest thing from the truth. Everybody on my team does this voluntarily. Every one of my admins, everybody in my larger team, they're all doing this because they love their country. They're doing this because they want to see their fellow Americans ready when the chips are down. That's who we are. That's who this country is. That's who we used to be. That's who we need to be again. And every single one of you that are sitting there 
you know, trying to get people to, to go kick doors in, whose doors are you going to kick in first? Do you even know who the enemy is? Because we're looking two years ago, January 6th, and we still don't have a clear list of who the enemy actors were. And you're telling me you're going to go kick doors and you're going to hunt these people down and you're going to, you're going to bring them to justice. How exactly are you going to do that? The battle lines will be drawn at the appropriate time. And you're going to know exactly who the enemy is because they're going to choose sides. That day is coming. It's not now. So use the time you have right now to get your family ready, to get yourself ready, and to get your friends ready. And be as ready as you can for whatever you can be ready for. That's all you can do. But the whole point of sphere of influence and line of sight is get to know the people around you. Go make human connections. I try and do it every day with my neighbors. And there's there's people on, you know, down the street, I still can't remember their names. And I met them probably six, seven times. It's a concerted effort. It's a concerted effort that all of us need to be making right now in order to right the ship. And when we get the opportunity to right the ship, and we will. We have to be organized and unified, which means everybody has to be toting the line. Everybody's got to check their fucking ego at the door and be a part of the big win. Not everybody can be in charge. Not everybody's going to believe what you believe. Not everybody's going to think the way you think. And trust me, there's been people in and out of my channel that have figured that out the hard way. Like, here's a case in point. I see an altercation going on in the channel. My admins will break it up most of the time. But my thought process is we're all adults. Act like a fucking adult. If you can't act like adult, then don't be in the channel and don't comment. And by the same token, if people are commenting and they're saying things that you don't agree with, you don't go attack them. Try listening to what they're saying. You may disagree, but that doesn't mean they're wrong and it doesn't mean you're right. And it doesn't mean your opinion should win out. The point is we have an open dialogue and people accept the fact that there's things that they don't agree with. Now, people that I throw out are people that throw adware, they throw botware, they throw all kinds of the, the Trump coin shit. You're getting thrown out quick. I don't have any fucking patience for that nonsense, especially if you're shit posting ads and these stupid articles about it. one of them in particular is Nasera Jacera. If I see any of that shit in my channel, I will throw you the fuck out. All that stuff is nonsense. It's been around for 10 years. It's been nonsense for 10 years. It's going to be nonsense for another 10 years. That's not what this channel's about. And all my admins know that. But if you're an adult, be an adult. Accept the fact that not everybody thinks like you and they don't accept your opinion. And just because they don't doesn't mean you're wrong, doesn't mean they're wrong. And doesn't mean you need to be flaming people. That's the problem with the entire truth movement is that everybody's got to be in charge, everybody's special, and everybody else's opinion is wrong. Trust me, I deal with it every single day. That's why I don't like Telegram. It's a toxic fuckhole. There's so many people on Telegram, they're so wrapped up in their own opinion, they can't hear anything else. Which, therein lies the problem, because the left is exactly the same way. The only way we come out of this is for people to check their ego at the door and realize that people aren't going to agree with them. And you're not going to convince everybody there's people in the truth movement that are convinced. They're convinced that aliens are running the financial system. 
Now, if you look at Janet Yellen, you could probably make a pretty good case that she's an alien. If you look at Facebook, you can probably make a pretty good case that Mark Zuckerberg's an alien. But until somebody shows me the proof and the ship lands on my front yard, I don't want to see that shit in my room. Because the channel just gets distracted with nonsense and people go down rabbit holes that are completely useless. Use the time you have right now to go make human connections and to start acquiring the things that you've either broken, used, or you need to replenish. Do that now because you may not get another chance. Things are going to be a slow burn until they speed up to crash. And when you're watching all these train derailments, that should tell you the logistics system is slowly being, it's literally being dismantled right in front of you. It's not the derailment that is the, the key here. It's the fact that that track takes several months, if not years to fix, depending on the location. And the key players in the globalist movement own all of the rail system in this country. Do you think they have any incentive to fix that? They don't. So use your time wisely. Fighting with fellow patriots, no, that's not a good use of your time. A good use of your time is meeting people in your neighborhood, reestablishing friendships, vetting people around you, and building a network of people you can count on. Keep that in mind. Today I'm going to I'm going to end up with a little, this song's called uh, Here's to Us. It's by Hailstorm. I think I've played it before, but it, it definitely, um, this is one of those songs that just, it, it stands the test of time. And it's, it's actually, uh, it's appropriate for today, given all the drama and BS that's going on across our, the landscape that is politics. It's amazing to me how stupid our political scene is, but this is Hailstorm, here's to us. God bless one team, one fight. We could just go home right now Or maybe we could stick around For just one more drink, oh yeah Sit back down for just one more drink, oh yeah Here's to us, here's to love All the times that we fucked up Here's to you, fill the glass Cause the last few days have kicked my ass So let's give them hell Wish everybody well Here's to us, here's to us Stuck it out this far together Put our dreams through the shredder Let's toast, cause things got better And everything could change like that And all these years go by so fast But nothing lasts forever
Here's to us. Here's to us. Here's to us.